0: This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it.
1: Feel it. feel it, feel it. It's in it. it. so on the line, right? And um, if you do not know him, he is a clinical psychologist and is somebody who's a pioneer in, in kind of, um, how can I say, pushing or creating awareness around the LGBTQI plus community and making us understand um, how to how to kind of deal or face with the challenges they go through, right? I, 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 I'm I, speaking kind of a bit, a bit on a shallow level, but I mean, he's going to get right into it. But can you so welcome back to that lunch show?
0: Well, thank you very much, Sandy, for having
1: me on air. Uh It's so lovely to have you. So, I mean, as we know, if if they do not know, we're going to say it again and again till they know. October marks Pride Month in South Africa, right? And mm. it just, it boldly celebrates the LGBTQI plus community, right? And this year actually marks 31 years since the first Pride Parade in South Africa, which was, the first one was in 1990. So really, really exciting. So... I want to kind of maybe speak about the mo- the symbols that we relate with the l g b t q i plus community so for example the rainbow flag i want to ask you why do we actually use the rainbow flag as a symbol of the l g b t q uh pride um community
0: mm so interesting question um the the reason why specifically the the rainbow flag w- was chosen to represent this community um number one obviously it it represents or it symbolizes um the experiences of, of lesbian, gay, transgender, transgender people. Mm. Um, you know, it's, sometimes people uh, call it the, the LGBTQI or the gay pride flag. Oh, and yes. I think the important thing with this flag is that um, the colors of the flag, you know, I mean, if you look at the rainbow, and we're looking at different uh, colors altogether. So the, the important thing about the colors of this flag is that they represent the diversity, the rich diversity within the LGBTQI community in and of itself, because if if we're looking at this community, it is a diverse community. Uh, Most people just think this is just a gay community or a lesbian community, but actually, you know, we do know which is very diverse. There are many different kinds of sexual identities, but not only sexual identities, there are sexual identities, there are gender identities, there are sex identities, Mm. there are biological identities. that all fall within the LGBTQI community. So we're thinking about you know, the rainbow flag, the different colors, the representation of this diversity and the representation of the huge spectrum um, of human sexuality and human gender as well. So it's not just dealing with gay people and lesbian people and bisexual people, but you're looking at the, the huge spectrum in terms oh, of yes. how people identify sexually, how people identify in terms of gender, and also the biological variant identification as well and that includes mm. people who identify as intersex um, who do not necessarily fit within the confines of sexuality as sexual diversity and gender diversity.
1: Okay. Oh, well, thank you for that. That that really has made it so much clearer, right? Mm. And I always feel like in this day and age, it's so disappointing to know that homo- homosexuality is still illegal in many countries, right? Mm. Um. Actually, me, myself, right, can you say, I come from Zambia and homosexuality is actually mm. illegal as well. They, there are no gay rights. Um, mm. There's there's no space for people to to embrace or kind of even explore their the identities, right? So mm. I want to understand, why is it so difficult for people to accept? Like, like for me, it still makes no sense because we in 2021, can you say? I'm sure mm. we can, like, mm. surely by now the pin should have dropped. But why is it so hard for people to accept this community?
0: You know, Nandi, I think I was talking about this, you know, with, with another radio station at some point. Especially looking at African countries, when we do know South Africa, you know, is, is the only country, or is one of the few countries, you know, within the African continent, um, that has, you know, embraced sexuality and gender diversity. Indeed, and indeed. And has entrenched, you know, those rights within the constitution itself. But if we're looking at other African countries, I mean, I think we cannot we cannot speak about the, the, the difficulties in change without really constructing why there was homo- the, there has been homophobia in the first place. Mm. And no, we, we cannot uh, we we will always take it back to the issue of colonialism, that is the the genesis of of, of um homophobia in the African continent. Mm. Um. And I've said this many before that, you know, if we're looking at current literature and, and you know, books that have, written, that have been written by anthropologists and, and sociologists and those likes, they show between, um same-sex, Sexual practices have been there in Africa for yes. centuries and centuries yes. and centuries, but because of colonialism and the impositions of you know colonial morals and values and beliefs and that is of Christianity, um, you know those those beliefs said to the African to people who were who inhabited the African continent that these practices are immoral. These practices uh. are an abomination because of because Christianity says that men cannot lay with a man and a female cannot slay with the female as well. So I think that's where it then started and unfortunately then carried on um, and it's something that, you know, we have inherited from colonialism, but as African countries... Sure. um, We've held on to those beliefs even after independence. Mm. We've held on to the fact that uh, cre- being gay or being lesbian or bisexual or transgender, etc., etc., is an abomination and it is immoral because it contradicts Christian values. And sure. we do know that most Christian, most African countries have really adopted uh, Christian values because of obviously they were colonialized um, by people who were Christian who, and who imported Christian values. Mm. So. People having had to hold on to the the Christian values obviously um and and having held on to the colonial laws, it then becomes very difficult for people to start realizing that this is an, uh, this is a normal variation of human sexuality oh yes, there's oh, nothing un so. African there's nothing abnormal about it. it is a normal variant of human sexuality and gender diversity
1: oh indeed, I agree with you definitely, but I mean with that being said right with with people still being against it or people not accepting it there are certain human rights violations right that the lgbt community face i want you to kind of maybe pin or pinpoint maybe the, the, the top three or top four human rights violations that they do face, right? The most common, should I say, but I feel yeah. over, over a spectrum of it, that there's many in mm. one way or the mm. other. It can even just go by, um, it's, it's just misgendering, right? That is also, that's a violation because someone has a right to identify as whatever they want to, right? Let's speak mm. about the Constitution mm. of South Africa. So maybe what are the kind of human rights violations that um, the LGBT com- community faces, Maybe the top four, the top three, the most common
0: three, mm. should I rather say. Or yeah, no, four. no, we don't even need to look far. We don't even need to go to other African countries. We just have to look within the South African context. Indeed. And, you know, as much as, you know, it is said and it is entrenched in our constitution that there cannot be discrimination on mm. the grounds of sexuality and gender diversity. But if you look at it, South Africa is one of the countries that, you know, still presents a lot of challenges against people who are LGBTQI+. Sure. Um, Number one, for example, hate speech is, is outlawed in our country. Yes.
1: Uh, but the, the
0: you know social media and you know people in the community they still perpetuate hate speech uh, towards people who are gay, lesbian, mm. bisexual, and transgender by the use of the naming, for an example, the kind of names and kind of labels um, that people use. Um, secondly, we can look at you know what we've been seeing uh, um, on the media, now, which is. Something very painful, it is. Um, I think Mamba online publishes all these cases as, as, as they happen. The killings that have been evident in our country, sure. the killing of people who identify as sexual and gender diverse, uh. for me, that is the ultimate ultimate violation of human rights. If you're going to take someone's life, yes. that is the ultimate violation of their rights because we all have a right to life. Yeah. a right to be alive. Yeah. Uh, so when people are killed, then this is, a vi- this is the biggest violation. Mm. Um, we, we ha- in, our, uh, in, in South Africa, we have a history of um, lesbian women being raped uh, in this thing that's been collective rape. Because, oh, you know, yes. believe yeah. that if we you rape you, if you, you, you feel how it is to have have sex with men then you're gonna you know magically gonna convert into a, chain, a sexual you're... Sexual female. That is a human rights violation. Um forcing someone into sexual activity is a human rights violation it is, and is... it is an illegal and criminal offence at that as well. So all those kind of things are discrimination at school, discrimination in the workplace, right all those Symbolize and represent human rights violations, violations. have been continuously perpetuated against uh, the LGBTQI community in South Africa.
1: Yeah, so we can really go on and on with uh, the evils and the ills of the <laughs> world, right? Exactly. But, um, but
0: we spend the whole day talking.
1: About- yeah, we, we really could. I mean, yeah. I could go on as well, like because we always want to educate ourselves. But with that mm-hmm. being said, with so much violence happening, right? We want to kind of turn the tables around in this conversation. We, I want to ask you, how mm-hmm. can we I end it right understand the conversations that need to happen and understand that maybe teaching somebody who doesn't know or i don't want to i want to say doesn't know right because i feel mm. like in 2021 you should know right maybe mm. i should say how can we change the minds of those who don't understand or don't want to ex- accept so how can we end this scourge basically mm. how how should we go about it me as an individual mm. how can i go out there and kind of change um the narrative
0: Mm. No, no the, for, for me, really, this would be a, a, a multi-systemic kind of approach. Mm. Um, we cannot just approach it as an individual or a micro level, but we need to look at the different systems and institutions in society that contribute, um, you know, to homophobia and the you know, perpetration of homophobia. Um, number one, I mean, we have history in our country where top figures, you know, in government and and top figures, you know, that are recognised nationally. We have spoken ill of uh, people who identify as LGBTQI and saying this is an African, um, you know, we don't have this kind of thing in our culture. We, we, have, we have pastors in, 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 in most of the churches who openly preach about, you know, how wrong and how immoral LGBTQI um, issues are and people who identify as LGBTQI um, you know, as in they go against the Bible. So I think the first thing that has to be done, this has to be changed as an institutional Level. This mm. has to be changed. At you know uh, those levels where you know we need people in churches who are going to speak, who are going to change as the changing narrative, advocate for the rights of people who are who identify differently from individuals who are heterosexual. Mm. We want to change the narrative in government? And I'm sorry, Nandi, to say, with this massive killings, there has been silence. Maybe that is my experience, but there has been silence in top government structures. Mm. Um, No one has been speaking against, you know, these these ill practices. And for me it says, um, you know, hate crimes are the last accessible crimes in South Africa. I think more could be said. So if they could be advocated, advocated from and you know, on top institutions, the government, the churches, um, the companies, if, if they can be open um, you know, and loud enough advocacy, I feel that should make it different at an individual level. Um, so when we do psychoeducation, maybe as psychologists, as psych- social workers, and even as the media, when we do advocacy at the individual level, it could be better accepted and better processed when advocacy has been done by, you know, top political figures or, mm. or prominent figures that people are able to relate to in our society, mm. so this is I say, you know, it has to be multi-systemic. Different um, players have to come to the table and say, "We, this is what we are offering." Oh to yes. And changing the mindsets of people. And I mean, and we do know the people um, are able to be swayed or people are able to change their attitude when, you know, top figures or people that they identify with are advocating for that kind of message. Um, so if that can be done at the, at the institutional level, I think, you know, the work at the individual level would be much more easy um, oh, yes. know, to, to implement.
1: Okay. So, right, let's now go back, right? So, I mean, the third. 30- the October 1990 was the first Pride match, and mm. it was organized by the Gay Lesbian Organization of the Vis Vatis Round. Right, so this mm. took place in Johannesburg. Right, I think. I, are you home to Johannesburg? Should I ask? Is <laughs> well, no, no.
0: Um, you know, I only came to Johannesburg a few years back. Um, but you know, I do, I do. Um, you know,
1: frequent here. Yeah. To-
0: Yes, I do. Now I'm living in Johannesburg, so Okay. I
1: do take it as my second home now. Okay, yeah, no, yes. I welcome you. It's also my Thank second you. home, so I'm going to welcome <laughs> you into your second Thank home. So, but I mean, the purpose of the event was just to provide a wider platform to voice various political concerns. So since mm. then, the Pride marches have taken place in Cape Town, in Durban, Port Elizabeth, Pretoria, Bloemfontein, and still at heart of Johannesburg. And I mean, the fact that the young LGBTQI plus community, are, they're kind of like raising the challenges that they still face post-apartheid as you said, post-colonialism, as you also said. But... I want to ask, right, with COVID, right, I, I, I don't think, or I don't know how it would go about. I don't know if there will be a Pride March. Maybe I'm just unaware of it. um, Or maybe it has passed and I'm really unaware of it and I'm maybe kind of terribly blind. But I want to ask, with COVID, would there be a Pride March? I mean, we do know in Level 1, we are allowed 2,000 people at outdoor events, so it could likely happen maybe in smaller settings. But with Pride Month, how does one celebrate it in this um? in this time in this pandemic how do we go forth um I, I, how do we go forth rather visibly mm. and physically mm. uh, showing it because i'd be more than happy to uh, show my support uh, over social mm. media right i'd be mm. more than happy to kind of uh support my friends who are part of the community but how do we physically show it right there's no pride i don't know if there's a pride month or the pride march that i know usually annually happens mm. so mm. what what is happening can you so maybe you you have uh, an idea of what's uh, is being planned?
0: Mm. So, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I, I don't know much about how it's been planned. If you know, there's gonna be a big pride uh, March or mm. anything like that. So I'm not gonna speak to that because you know, I'm, yes, I think okay. there are people who are involved in planning that. Oh, yes. But I think what I can say is that. One does not necessarily have to be in the pride match itself
1: oh, yes. to show support
0: of this community. Right. For example, yes. Nandi, right now, I mean, I'm mean, i at work, and you know, with my clothes, I'm wearing this little badge. It's um, a badge, it's a pin, actually, that shows all the LGBTQI colors, oh, wow. and I'm going to be wearing that, you know for the, the rest of the, of the month. And maybe for mm. the rest of the year as well. But I think the little things that we do, because I think the Pride March for me, as much as it initially it was about advocating for the right and, and really putting, um, and, and maybe jumping into the political record at the time when you know uh, the March was starting, but I think now it's all about uh, creating a voice, a loud enough voice of saying, um, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, intersex, queer um, children and public people are here. They exist, they are alive, they have rights and they are people, they are human, they are not different, and they are not the other, they are people. So I think for me, currently the Pride March is just about that, is making loud enough noise, uh, speaking loud and saying these people exist and these people are here. Mm. Um, and I think the, the ways we could source of support, I mean, the thing things for just wearing that, that pin, you know, demonstrate to which UK, you know, LGBTQI people are here, advocating for the rights of people. Um and I'm gonna show a small a short experience. This I think it was last year. I yes. went to and you know uh, uh, sorry, I went to a pharmacy, let me not mention um I went to a pharmacy and you know someone in the pharmacy was loved enough Speaking, up, speaking ill of LGBTQI people. And I didn't keep quiet. I stood up and I spoke to him. I said, you know, this is how, this is not the way you speak to people. Mm. And people have the right of, of self-identifying sexuality and gender or uh, otherwise. Sure. So I think it's those small experiences that you yes, know are make a difference. celebrating. So speaking out, you know, when your friends are having a drink, friend, your friends are having drinks and they're speaking ill of this community, speaking out you know, is uh, the uh, way something. When, you know, birthday things are shared at work, speaking out, I think that is part and parcel of celebrating the Pride Month that anyone can do wherever they are, at work, at school, um, you know, wherever you are, you can I celebrate agree with you,
1: So, Thank you so much yeah. for that. Thank you so much for coming in once again, right? That is uh, our cli- I, I want to call him our resident clinical psychologist and LGBTQI plus <laughs> affirmative <laughs> therapist, right? Kind of just um, tackling the Issues that the LGBTQI plus community face in South Africa, but a world as a whole, and kind of like just bringing that awareness. It is Pride Month, right? Mm, so go yeah. out there and do the little things, as you say. So thank you so much. I hope you have a lovely afternoon. Thank you for coming to that lunch show once again.
0: Thank you very much, Nandi.
1: Thank you so much, uh, uh, and yeah. So I think. Right until the end of October, right? We're going to keep reiterating that October marks Pride Month in South Africa and it boldly celebrates the local LGBTQI plus community, right? That's how we want to do it. That's how we want to celebrate it. So thank you so much. This
0: podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By, by to hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1, 88.1. or streams Stream. via www.vafm.co.za.